Roll tight, everybody, and welcome to Bama Talk. I'm Steve Sample, along with engineer-producer Mark Phillips at Airwave Recording Studio in Birmingham, Alabama. And before we launch into the show, we need to let all you listeners know that you've entered into a realm where roll tight is the password and where opponents find themselves facing their deepest, darkest fears. That's to say that there's a competition dimension beyond that which is known to man. It's a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It's the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of the imagination, an area we call the Tide Zone. Um, Okay, so maybe some of you don't remember that intro to that show, but it was really cool, and I was just thinking that's what it might have felt like for that little leprechaun that limped off the field on the losing end of that nightmare in Miami. But the Fighting Irish weren't the only ones pulling the covers over their heads. Bama was the boogeyman in so many bad dreams for 12 other teams last year. I hear the power company's profits are up because so many of those players are sleeping with the lights on these days. Motel 6 is loving it because some of those teams are making reservations for road trips just because they promised to leave the lights on for you. I mean, even in November when you're down 42 to nothing at halftime, it's pretty dark even in broad daylight. And when you've got an all-time record crowd all crunk and crammed into your Cajun cocktail party, it's got to feel like the Twilight Zone when T.J. Yeldon winds up materializing all alone in your end zone. Four teams actually had their offenses disappear when Bama's defense turned the lights out in shutouts that had their sidelines talking about the end times. But Bama's domination wasn't just by some kind of prestidigitation. It was the results you get with strong leadership, and we know what that looks like around here. Then one of the most important ingredients in the recipe for success is that leadership's ability to put the right kind of people in the right place. People smart enough to submit to a program that has a plan for every aspect of the process. Like one of our other great coaches used to say, we all have the will to win, but winners are the ones that are willing to prepare to win. That's the kind of program we have again, which is why our student athletes in several sports are performing at championship levels and producing all those trophies some of our competitors like to cry about. It's the very definition of disingenuous to dispute, for instance, Bama's national championships in football for any number of reasons, but let's have a little fun with just one scenario in which Bama would hypothetically agree with a certain team to disregard two championships each. So starting with a ratio we all know is 15 to 2, that would obviously leave us with 13 and them with none, guaranteeing that in addition to the egg on their face, their trophy case would look like a black hole in space. Of course, they'll keep on crying about the ones we rightfully claim, but regardless of how much they resent our name and our fame, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what they say, because when we're talking about all those trophies in Tuscaloosa, I gotta tell you, they're real and they're spectacular. And speaking of spectacular, one of our senior softball players just concluded her playing career with the Crimson Tide, and she's already headed back across the country to her home in Oregon. Now, she's going to be on with us real soon, but I want to go ahead and salute Kayla Bro because she's just been named the winner of the NCAA's 2013 Senior Class Award for Division One, and we can't think of a single soul that deserves it more. Former Tider Charlotte Morgan also won it several years ago, so Kayla's winning the award 
means Alabama's the only school to have won it more than once. We also want to mention that Whitney Larson and Cassie Riley Bosha were finalists for the award during their careers, too, so this is just one more reason why the people in our softball program are making us tremendously proud. We had only two returning players playing the same position this year they played the year before, and we just missed making it back to OKC. But the past four seasons have been the best in Bama softball history, and Caleb Bro played a huge part in making it happen. Our guest today is a member of one of the most famous families in the Crimson Tide's incredible football history since his dad and two brothers both played for Bama. So Sly Stone ain't the only one that can sing about a family affair. He helped his Briarwood High School team to the Class 5A state title his senior year. He was a first-team USA Today All-American and a member of the Birmingham News Super Seniors list. Fox Sportsnet named him to their All-South team. Super Prep had him ranked as the number 11 player in Alabama, and he won the ASWA 5A Back of the Year Award, all of which led him to being one of the first players to announce his commitment to Alabama at the U.S. Army All-America game in San Antonio. Simeon Castile, how you doing, man, and what you got going on these days down there? Hey, Steve, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Uh, just playing a little arena football right now uh, here in Orlando for the Predators. Um kind of nursing a knee injury right now. I'm trying to do some rehab to get back on the field. But other than that, man, I'm just enjoying life. Man, that sounds great. You know, hey, you know, since your dad played at Alabama, you grew up in an Alabama household. How old were you when you first started thinking about getting serious about playing ball, you know, at elite levels? Um, <laughs> it's funny because uh, growing up, man, I always wanted to play uh, little league football, just like every other kid. And, um, and my dad was just set on not letting us play uh, little league, but he ended up getting in and letting my older brother Tim play when he was about, uh, eight, I believe I was seven. And it made me so mad because he let my older brother play and he wouldn't <laughs> let me play. I'm not gonna lie. I was so mad. <laughs> so y'all are just you're just uh, one year apart, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, we're just one year apart, um, seventeen months to be exact. But um, I mean, I was growing up, you know, running around in the yard playing football um, all day long, and it was so funny because my brother he when his first year of Pee Wee, man, he would cry at every practice, and I was like, Dad, I would never, I would never cry. <laughs> 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 yeah, so man, it, it was. Uh, I, I knew I wanted to be a football player from the time I could run around. I got you. You know, hey, just in case uh, any of you folks listening don't know, Simeon's older brother Tim played at Bama too, and I can clearly recall that the recruiting services started talking about him when he was like in the eighth grade. Now that was in the late nineties, and recruiting had already gotten in to be a big deal by then. But that was the first time I remember a kid that young getting that kind of attention you were in the sixth or seventh grade then uh, when all that started so by the time you were a high profile recruit yourself there probably wasn't much you hadn't seen by then was it helpful watching tim go through all that ahead of you um it was and it it kind of motivated me um to want to be the best player that i could be just because you know growing up um being younger than tim um like you said, he was one of the, you know, he was getting recruited and recruiting letters. I mean, he was in eighth grade and, you know, everybody looked at me like, oh, that's Tim's little brother. 
and I didn't want to be known as that. So, um, just seeing him, seeing the, um, the success he had and the attention that he was getting, you know, it made me want to, um, you know, make a name for myself and, and get, uh, not kind of ru- ride his coattails, so to speak. Oh, yeah. So well, it, did, it did help me just seeing uh, the recruiting process and, and what all came along with that. So there probably weren't a whole lot of surprises by the time they got around to talking to you, right? As far as surprises no, for no. you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you know, yeah, I saw the letters pouring. I saw the letters pouring in and... And I was like, this is what it's really like. Oh, my gosh. But you, but so, you know, man, it, yeah, but you know, again, uh, it, it had gotten to be a big deal by then. But I can, I clearly remember that Tim was the first player I remember uh, getting that kind of attention in the, in the paper, in the news, in the eighth and ninth grade. I mean, that just was not happening back then. But uh, you see a lot of it now. But he's the first one I remember that happening to. What are the most memorable things about the recruiting process that happened for you? What'd you like best about it, and what'd you like the least? Um, the least, I would probably say, just uh, it could kind of get monotonous, I guess. Uh, just all the phone calls, and um, you know, the coaches are pretty much saying the same thing: "We want you to come here. We have the best university." Uh, this that, and the other phone is blowing up, talking to uh, a number of different coaches. But probably the, I mean, along with that, though, you kind of like it at the same time because that's what you've worked all that uh sure. you know well for me uh shoot my dad had us out in the during the summers getting up at six o'clock you know out running since i was in probably about sixth grade so all that hard work you were kind of seeing the fruits of it um so really just knowing that all that hard work was paying off was probably the best part about it you know, you had a lot of success in high school at Briarwood right here in Birmingham. In fact, we're we're only two or three miles from there right now, which is and it's one of the best programs in the state. You won a state championship, you made all kind of all star teams. Then you get to Bama as a freshman in two thousand four, and we had an unusually high number of injuries that year that made it kind of a tough season in some ways. But you played in eleven yeah. games, you had two picks that year, including one against Utah State in your very first game. I remember that very well. Uh the highs and lows. <laughs> <laughs> must be a real roller coaster. What stands out in your mind about that freshman year? Um, well, man, it was tough. It was really tough just because of, like you said, all the injuries that we had. We knew we could uh, be a good team, but, yeah. man, we just had the injury bug. And uh, it was just like, you know, we couldn't we couldn't shake it. Um, but, you know, with that season, I mean, for me personally, it was a big deal for me just because I wanted to come in and make an impact on on the team. I didn't want to redshirt. Um, my goal was to come in and, and really start. Um, but I ended up having some significant playing time. I think it kind of, you know, uh, catapulted me in the right direction. Yeah, man, you're only playing in 11 games out of 12 regular season games as a freshman. It's pretty, pretty stout. You know, and I remember that interception against Utah State. It was the first game there at Bryant-Denny. Uh, you caught it about midfield, I think, and headed for the east corner of the south end zone right there in front of the student section. Was that awesome or what? <laughs> I'll never forget that until the day I, you know, we just served, man. It was one of the greatest feelings. Um, you know, and that game was kind of special for me. Uh, because, you know, Tim, uh, I scored a touchdown and Tim scored a touchdown in that game. And it was, I think we were like the fourth set of brothers to score a touchdown in a, 
in the same game for oh. Alabama. So it was kind of cool. Oh, that's way cool, man. I mean, that's that that's cool. You got guys footprints all over that place. You know, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> Alabama has had a history of great defensive teams led by great defensive coaches. And you've got you got to play for two of them, starting with Joe Kynes. Now, he was on the yeah. show a while back, and it was fascinating to hear what he had to say. What was it like playing under Coach Kynes? Because I thought he did a fabulous job. Well, Coach Kynes, was, he'll go down as one of my favorite coaches um, to play for. Man, I tell you, he had me personally, man, I would <laughs> – I would try to do anything and everything he was he was telling us to do. He was just one of those coaches that motivated you to play for him, uh, could get you amped up to re- I mean, ready to run through a brick wall for him. Man, he was just one of those coaches that you love to play for. Well, I, I I don't know if it was it wasn't a brick wall, but I remember that 05 Tennessee game against Tennessee and Bryant Denny when Roman Harper hit that big old fullback that was headed for the end zone and knocked the ball out and it went squirting through the end zone and you went chasing it full speed and dove after it just as it went out of bounds in the northeast corner of Bryant Denny and crashed into the fence there and I'm I'm talking about it, it was kamikaze all the way man well, yes sir and then we that made that's the style of play he wanted man. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you must have had a glass of sake before you had that play or something. It was, it, it, yeah, it was great. And then we, then we turn around and Brody hits DJ Hall down the sideline and we get down the field and beat him for the first time in, um, in several years. That was, that was a great day at Bryant Denny. Uh, you know, oh, you, yeah. you, you won an award after spring practice in 05 that's named after one of my favorite players and absolutely favorite people, the Jerry Duncan I Like to Practice Award uh, that was started back in the 60s. Football practice is not the easiest thing in the world. I played one year as a kid, so and I thought they were going to kill me. Uh, how, how, did, how did you develop an attitude that won an award for that, and was there anybody in particular that helped you shape it? You know, I, I would have to credit my father, um, really. It really started with him. He's the one who, who showed my brother and I, um, well, really both of my brothers, Tim and Caleb, um, how to work, man. He was one to push us to the limit. Once we, you know, he never forced football on us, but once we decided that it was something that we wanted to do, it was on, wanted man. to reach, yeah, yeah, it was, it was full go, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and I still remember, uh, one time we were living in Phoenix City. That's where, um, my dad's from. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, I probably, we had to probably be, Tim was probably 10, I was about 9, and he told us to get up one morning, we're going to get our hair cut, so we were like, okay, and he was like, put your tennis shoes on, I was like, why? He's like, we're running there. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Me and Tim, we cried, we probably cried the whole way there, it was probably about 5 miles from our house, but for us, man, it seemed like an eternity. Oh my gosh, I'll, I'll never forget that. <laughs> but, but you know, I never remember either one of you guys standing around at the end of a game looking really tired either. So, uh, you know, there's a lot to <laughs> say for that. You know, there were some there were some great games in 2005, your sophomore year, and one of them had to be against Mississippi State and Starkville. And of course, the best thing is you get to leave Starkville when the game's over. But you had two tackles, <laughs> two tackles, an interception, and a block punt, which led to your being named SEC Defensive Player of the Week that week. Did that make dressing out for practice? practice on Monday any easier? 
No, man, you got to leave that in the past. You know what I mean? <laughs> that game's over with, and uh, you're just trying to get better, get ready for the opponent the next week. And if anything, it should make it, you know, it motivates you to work harder to try to achieve that again. Man, that's, but that, but so, it's, it's, but you know, and I know what you're talking about and, and I'm all about it. I know that's what Coach Shaven's all about. He doesn't care if somebody just handed him the Hope Diamond. He's working for what he's going to get today, you know. Exactly. <laughs> but, but SEC Defensive Player of the Week, especially in a conference game on the road, you know, that's you got to be able to look back at least now and think, man, that's that's a pretty cool thing. Oh, definitely, man. It, it, I mean, it really is. I tell people all the time, just playing for Alabama in itself was just amazing. And uh, you know, for the Lord to to bless me the way that He did, come on, um, throughout my career is just amazing. Uh, the older I get and the more I look back on it, I'm just like, man, the Lord has really, really blessed um, me, not only on the football field, but off it as well. You know, and speaking of blessings, uh, I, it, that made me think about your grandmother. You know, because you and I used to spend Sunday mornings at the same place, and I got to meet yeah, her uh, a couple of times, <laughs> a, a good place not too far from here. And I got to meet her one time standing outside uh, after church, and she is a handful, man. I'm talking about she is something else. Uh, and I can see where a lot of that personality came from, and I can see where Jeremiah got some of it, because I'm telling you what, she, yeah. was, she was the full load. Anybody that knows Grandma Mary is, I mean, once you meet her, your life is never the same. It's like a hand, she is an, <laughs> it's like a hand grenade She's with a hat on. Woman. Don't tell them. <laughs> You know, that's hey, exactly right. You know, you had two interceptions in games twice. I'm gonna brag on you some more now. So, uh, in 2006, which is a heck of a thing for any DB at any level, and of course, your dad was a great one and had a uh, very oh, yeah. successful career with Denver and the pros. Uh, it had, and it had to be talking about those kind of games with him when they were over. Uh, what do you think he was most proud of that you were able to accomplish? You mean throughout my we're at Alabama? Yeah. I would probably have to say, well, my dad, he, he's not really big on, you know, that. Uh, he would definitely congratulate us when we played good games. But um, I would probably have to say, most thing he's probably proud of is really just um, the man, I guess, that I, I would say I became from the time I went to Alabama to the time I left. Um, you know, I had some ups and downs throughout my college career, um, but I feel like I, I matured towards the end. And I would probably say just um, how I grew throughout those four years, I would probably say he was the most proud of. Well, I, I think for the most part, and I, I look back on my uh, days at, in college at the university, and anybody that doesn't have ups and downs as a college student is probably just been <laughs> it's just been handcuffed to the bed or something, you know. I mean, it's, it's, it's because you're in a straitjacket somewhere. Uh, you, know, you know, now it's okay. Now it's 2000 senior, 2007, your senior year. Coach Saban comes in and starts with a completely clean slate. What sticks out in your mind about that year? Because, buddy, that was a turning point in Alabama's program. And, and the things Coach Saban was trying to establish, we hear so much about. What sticks out in your mind about that year and that change? Well, you know, I always think to myself, man, 
if I had just red shirt then I would have had two I would have been able to play two seasons under Coach Saban. Um and the thing about the biggest thing that stood out to me was about him is his attention to detail. Yeah. Um and man, the little things matter to him big time. And so I would I would probably say the attention to detail and accountability he holds every Anybody that has anything to do with that football program, but the, the standard is high. And um, he's holding everybody there accountable and to that standard. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, so I would probably say those two things, attention to detail and uh, accountability. You know, Coach Saban's known, of course, as a great DB coach, a specialist in that area. You grew up with an NFL DB as a father. You played under Joe mm-hmm. Kynes. Has anybody ever ever had more good coaching in their position than you did? And what was the one thing you learned from all these these really good people that you'd pass along to somebody you were trying to coach? I would probably say attitude and technique. Just because of what comes with the position that DV man, it takes a different kind of kind of guy to get out there, and you know you're going up against the best athlete on the field pretty much um, week in and week out. And so, man, you got to have a strong mindset because they're gonna make some catches, you're gonna get scored on, but you got to strap it up and get ready to go to the next play. And when you get beat, everybody knows it. Yeah, that's the thing. When you watch <laughs> ESPN at night, you're gonna be on the highlights, good and bad. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So yeah. I would definitely say that the attitude, man, your mindset, you got to be a strong-willed person, man, to play to play cornerback, especially in the SEC and in the NFL. No, I was just wondering, you know, with your background, you're still playing ball on the professional level, and so few people mm-hmm. get to do that at, with, uh, at any professional level. Um, when you watch uh, Alabama now, uh, and obviously Coach Saban, uh, is in personally in charge of coaching the secondary. What's the thing that impresses you most about the way they play because of what you know he teaches them? I would probably say the way that the DVs, how he's trained them to, man, a lot of times DVs aren't known for coming up and making plays. Um, the physicality, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, you look at, you know, a guy like D. Milliner, man, that guy, he would come up. He wasn't scared to stick his nose in there. And you've had a couple of guys like that, Dre, Kareem. You know, all those guys were, man, good tacklers, and they were physical. Oh, they light you up. Day. Yes, sir. So that's one thing that I like. I love to see from uh, RDBs, man. When you, when you know you're lining up against our guys, it's going to be a long Saturday for you. Mm-mm. Hey, one one issue I want to get your opinion on real quick. You know, there's a lot of uh, talk going around now about the debate about the debate about going to a nine game conference schedule, which some coaches are scared of, obviously because it means another tough game every year. But uh-huh. what con- what concerns me as a fan and an Alabama alumnus is that if the conference stays with an eight game schedule, the conference might mandate six games with our Western Division opponents and rotating two from the East, which means our yearly annual traditional games with Tennessee, for instance, are lost. Uh, to me, uh, doing anything that interrupts games like Alabama, Tennessee, Auburn, and Georgia is insane. What are these people thinking about? Yep. Now, Now, maybe I'm missing something. What's your opinion as a player and as an alumnus? No, I would say, man, there's no way you can mess with that tradition. Thank you. Um, in my opinion... I mean, 
how could you, I mean, the fans live for that. And you as player, I mean, as a player, man, you can't wait to, to uh, that Tennessee game, the third Saturday in October. I mean, like, really? How are they going to do <laughs> even considering doing away with the, uh, those games? And they go way back in people, I mean, live for them. That'd be like, telling, I, I, that'd be like telling Army to stop playing Navy. That's crazy. Exactly. Like, exactly. There's no way. You know, hey, you know, it's it's such a special thing to make that four-year journey in that jersey you wore, you and your dad and your brothers wore, and it tends to make me think about what the Marines like to say about the few, the proud, so I always like to ask former players what it was like the last time you walked back into the locker room and knew you'd worn that uniform for the last time. What what did it feel like and what went through your mind that day? Um. <laughs> A lot of, just a range of emotions. I mean, um, you're proud, you know, a lot, a lot. Another one, I mean, I know for me, I was just like, I couldn't believe that it was already over, man. It felt like just yesterday I was walking on campus, um, you know, wide-eyed and not knowing really what to expect. And then... Trying to find a cafeteria. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And now, you know, you you are you formed these relationships and friendships over the past four years. Um, and, you know, you know, you won't really get to see a lot of those guys like you were getting to see them, I mean, every single day. So it was, um, man, I just had mixed emotions. I was happy um, to move on to the next chapter, but, you know, you didn't want to. You really didn't want it to end. <laughs> it's, a, it's a special time. You know, and uh, I grew up in Tuscaloosa. Of course, I didn't play ball there. I was actually in the band. But the uh, but I've been following it for an awfully long time and love going back down there in the fall and for basketball and softball and mm-hmm. baseball and gymnastics. And it's just a special time in, in everybody's life that spends any time there. And, and I think the older you get, the more you realize how special it really was. Uh, be, because oh. being out making a living is not, not the same thing as being around, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's not the same deal, you know, Hey man, we're, hey, we're just about out of time for this thing. And I didn't get to half the things I wanted to talk to you about, but I sure, and I know you're busy, man. I hope that leg gets better. Uh, um, uh, I'll put you on my list, uh, uh, for getting, getting healed up in that thing. Uh, Yes, sir. If if, uh, if somebody were needs to get in touch with you or just wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Um, email Castile at gmail dot com. There you go. Well, listen, man. Like I, I mentioned to you the other day when we were talking, uh, and I told your dad Jeremiah, one of these days when you and Caleb and Tim and Jeremiah are all in town, because I know uh, Jeremiah just lives down the street. I want to get all four mm-hmm. of you in here at one time, and we'll just cut up and have some fun. How about that? I, I'm, I'm with it, Stephen. Sounds great. Man, that'll be fun. Well, listen, you take care and roll tide. All right, roll tide as always. Have a great one. Hey, we want to remind you that the podcast format we use makes it possible to access any Bama Talk Show episode anytime you like, as much as you like at no charge, because the downloads and the subscriptions are free. So far, we've posted 39 episodes, so we hope you'll take time to check them all out. Not only that, but we're really anxious to get your feedback, and we'd like to ask you to do us this favor. Send us an email, and here's what we want to know. Tell us where you're from. We'd like to know your age. 
what your favorite episode was, who your all-time favorite players are, and who you'd like to see us have on the show as a guest. Another thing we need to know is which one of the three main internet access methods you use to listen to the show. Some people are reaching us by going to bigbrainsmedia.com. Others like to listen in by going to the podcast section of iTunes. And a growing number of subscribers are using Stitcher, which a lot of newer model cars carry now as standard equipment. The email address here is steve at bamatalkshow.com. So we hope you'll take a minute and drop us a line because we really do want to hear from you. Hey, another way you can say hello is hooking up with the Bama Talk Facebook page. So when you check it out, hit that like button and make yourself known. We're getting lots of attention from Tide fans all over the globe, so be sure to mention it to any of your Bama buds that might like to know about the show. We post lots of cool pics on the page, so if you like what you see, feel free to share it, Will, because we're always glad to know you're enjoying it and it helps get the word out. Now, one thing we like to do on the Bama Talk Facebook page is post the number of days till kickoff, which we abbreviate as DTK. We do feel it necessary, though, to make sure you know that other media outlets are posting days till kickoff counts that are calculated based on games that occur before August 31st, which is when Alabama opens its season in Atlanta. Being avid college football fans, we look forward to the games that will be played in the days leading up to August 31st. But as far as we're concerned, the season does not officially kick off until somebody wearing crimson comes out of the locker room to line up for it. So since we have something of an obligation to operate in the best interest of our listeners, we felt moved to make that announcement as a public service for those to whom precise information is of paramount importance with regard to planning Bama football bashes. Party on, Garth. Hey, school's out, and the only team we've got up and running is baseball, which is in Tallahassee for the NCAA tournament right now. Those boys have started making some real noise lately, and they've had great games this year against some of the top-ranked teams in the country. So we'll be watching the Tide to see how far they can take it in the tournament. Once baseball's done, there's that downtime till fall camp. But we'll be here talking about the Crimson Tide on a worldwide basis, so be sure and hang with us, because at Alabama, it's always football season. There's just a lot of Saturdays we don't have a game. In the meantime, it's about time to head for the locker room. So for everybody here at Bama Talk, we hope you enjoyed it, because we had a ball, y'all. Till next time, take care, have a blessed day, and roll tide.